know the tune to this old hymn. Have faith in God. He's on his throne. Have faith in God. He watches or is on. He cannot fail. He must prevail. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Why don't you take your hymn book and turn to hymn 405. We're going to sing two stanzas of this hymn this morning, particularly as we reflect on Psalm 59 this morning. In fact, there's a chance that the exposition of Psalm 59 could occur through the singing of these two stanzas. And I could give the wish to Chief that I only preach a 15-minute sermon. Don't you hear the words to these two stanzas? Stanza two and stanza four as we sing this hymn together. Have faith in God. Let's sing these two stanzas. Have faith in God when your prayers are unanswered. Your earnest plea, he will never forget. Wait on the Lord, trust his word, and be patient. He'll answer yet. Have faith in God, he's on his throne. Have faith in God, he watches over. four. Have faith in God, though all else fail about you. Have faith in God, He provides for His own. He cannot fail, though all kingdoms shall perish. He rules and reigns upon the throne. Have faith in This, my friends, is indeed the summation of what David exclaims, what the psalmist proclaims in Psalm 59. We read just a few moments ago from 1 Samuel chapter 19, as David is having a number of experiences in, in running from Saul, if you begin at the very beginning of Psalm 19, you will read the narrative of where Jonathan and his good close friendship with David promises David, I'm going to keep you informed of King Saul's plan. And as the narrative would go, King Saul's plan would be to find David and to have David Killed. 
And as the narrative would read, we come to Psalm 19, verse 11, and there David's wife, Michael, or Michal, says to him, hey, David, I'm going to let you out the window. I want you to be able to escape from the hand of Saul. But the Bible tells us that Saul sends his men at nighttime to watch David. There are those expressions in life where literally through the darkness of night or figuratively through the darkness of the moment, we sense that our enemies, our foes, or perhaps life itself is caving in upon us. How do we respond? What's our response to God when our faith, our convictions are challenged through experiences in life? The hymnist, like David, reminds us this morning, have faith in God. He and he alone watches or his own. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. David, in this text, exclaims for us the joy of life lived in faith and obedience to God resting in God's providential care for us. So we as believers this morning, can learn this lesson from this text. Believers can have faith in God. Believers can have faith in God who hears their prayers. Believers can have faith in God who hears their prayers. And believers may hope in God who is a righteous judge, and believers may hope in God, who is a righteous judge. Listen at how David begins here in Psalm 59 with this confidence in God's deliverance. Believers, David reminds us here in verses 1 through 10, may pray confidently for God's deliverance to the choir master according to do not destroy a victim of David when Saul sent men to watch his house in order to kill him. Deliver me from my enemies, oh my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil and save me from bloodthirsty men. For behold, they lie in wait for my life. <clears throat> Fierce men stir up strife against me for no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord, for no fault of mine. They run and make ready. Awake, come to meet me and see you, 
Lord God of hosts, you are God of Israel. Rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Spare none of those who treacherously plot evil. Each evening they come back howling like dogs and prowling about the city. They are bellowing with their mouths, with swords in their lips. They say, who hears? But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You hold all the nations in derision. O my strength, I will watch for you. For you, O God, God, are my fortress. My God in his steadfast love will meet me. God will let me look in triumph over my enemies. Do you hear David's confidence in this prayer? Do you hear David's confidence in this plea? Friends, we can't always be confident in the moment. We can't always be confident in the situation. We can't always be confident in response. But we can always be confident in a God who hears the prayers of his people. David has no confidence in the situation. It's your house. It's one of your employees that's been making threats against you because you have placed them on probation and they know that it's headed to an end of their job. And they've made the threats and they told you that they're going to kill your family and you've, you've informed the police and perhaps you've even hired some security to stay a watch around your house. And the night comes. And even with a number of different provisions, hired guards or cameras, there is still a sense of anxiousness. Why? You don't have confidence in the situation. David is not confident in the situation, but David is confident in the Lord over the situation. And David here, beginning in the first few verses, in verses 1 through 2, verses 1 through 5, we see David's plea for help from God. As we've been seeing over the course of the last eight weeks, as David has, we've seen a number of laments from David as they've expressed these difficult situations that David finds himself in. We see yet again David's confidence that God and God alone is the one that can deliver him from his situation. Look again at verse 1. To whom does David direct his plea? To whom does David cry out? Deliver me from my enemies, O oh God. Do you hear David's confidence there, friend? Do you hear David's conviction? Look at that strong word again in, in verse 2. Deliver me from those who work evil and save me from bloodthirsty men. 
David has a complete, total confidence that God and God alone is the one who stands in control of the situation and that he and he alone is one that can provide a sense of provision and protection for him, from him for him in this moment. Look how he defines these evil picket people beginning here in verse 3. Look at their intentionality. For God they lie and wait for my life. They stir up strife against me. Have you been in that moment where you know without a shadow of a doubt it seems as though everything and everyone around you is completely aligned against you? Where are you turning for help this morning, friend? What or from whom are you seeking relief? David was confident in this one thing, that in God and in God alone could he find that sense of provision. And David was even willing to acknowledge, Lord, I might even be able to understand this if I found myself in this situation because of my own sin and rebellion against you. But notice what David says, there's no transgression of mine, Lord. I am walking righteously. I'm walking in your righteousness. It's easy to understand when we have difficulty, particularly if we failed at a moment. If I've sinned or if I've messed up, if I made a mistake, I understand those moments. But I don't understand those moments when things go against me, when it seems as though, Lord, I am walking rightly with you. You've had that moment, whether through the sudden loss, the life of one that you loved, through the sudden difficulty of a marriage. Just last week, our neighbors directly across the street from us found out the news that in an unexpected way, their 20-year-old grandson passed away. And I sat in Mr. Willard's driveway on an afternoon when it seemed like the temperature outside was 110. And a confident, strong, faithful believer in the Lord. And we wept. And he cried out. And he said, I know I shouldn't be saying these things, but God already knows my heart. It's hard to comprehend those difficult moments in life when we know it's not due to our own sin. And David is in one of these moments. And so look what he does in verse 5. He makes a plea to God that God might respond to his cry in a way that is consistent with God's very character and nature. You, no other, you, Yahweh, are God of hosts. You are God of Israel. There is no other God. There is no other divine being who reigns supreme. You and you alone 
So God, rouse yourself and punish all the nations <coughs> and spare none of those who treacherously plot evil. Lord, would you be consistent with your divine nature? God, would you be consistent with your word? For hear the words of, hear the word of the Lord from, from Proverbs 17, verse 15. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. David is saying, God, people who respond this way, people who rejoice in the wicked and and people who put down the righteous, they are an abomination to you. Lord, I know that you hate that response, but Lord, I can't help but think that that is exactly the response that I'm even getting for you. So God, respond to me in a way that's consistent with your very nature. David knows that God is the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has not changed. But look at this text. It's interesting as we see from the beginning that the psalm seems to be set in that moment in which we see from 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 11, that Saul has sent evil men to camp out around David's house at nighttime so that they might kill him in the morning. But notice what verse 5 says here. Rouse yourself to punish what? All the nations. This is a hymn, and by the way, if you're visiting with us, as we're going through the Psalms through the summer, the Psalm at which we're preaching from that day, every Sunday we sing that Psalm. And we do that as a reminder that for ancient Israel, this was their hymn book in so many ways. That ancient Israel would have sung this truth over and over to steady their hearts And by the way, I don't know about you, but I know about my life. How many of you, when you find yourself in a difficult situation, go back and start recounting the points from Lewis's sermon in 2015? I'm completely disappointed. But how many of you, when you're in a moment of difficulty, will sing a hymn like, Have Faith in God. Why? These hymns, this music, is used by God to sow into our hearts and our minds the eternal truth of God, and in so many ways they steady our hearts. Why? Because they're based on Scripture. And by the way, this is should be one of the reasons why we do our due diligence to make sure that the songs that we're sowing into our hearts and to our mind are founded on the Word of God. And so we sing. The nation of Israel, they sung. They sung this song to be reminded. So here in this text, verse 5, David mentions the nations. And David isn't particularly here reflecting upon the foreign pagan nations. They're not the ones who are after him in this text. What it seems to be is a reflection on on David in a way to understand that those who, who are of the true Israel are those who are rightly trusting in God. Those who are of the true people of God are those who have faith 
and God. But those who act evil, those who stand in opposition to God, notice what David says, they aren't part of the people of God. They are part of the nations who stand in opposition to God. David cries out in verses one through five for the Lord to help. And then look here in verses six and seven, he, he laments. Each evening they come back howling like dogs and prowling about the city. They, there they are, bellowing with their mouths, with swords in their lips, and they declare, who hears? See, friends, there is one thing consistent with all people who have set themselves in opposition to God. They have dethroned God and enthroned themselves, perceiving that they themselves are God and know better. What David is saying is these evil people who are encamped about me, they live their lives as if there is no God. See, friend, whether you're here today and you're camping around someone's house seeking to kill them, or you're the most kind, gracious, loving neighbor and employee that anyone could ever wish for, if you have never repented of your sins and trusted in Christ and Christ alone, this depiction is a depiction of your life. For what makes us a believer or right with God is not whether we're kind or intentionally trying to kill our neighbor. What makes us, what makes you, what makes me right with God is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear what David had to say in Psalm 2, verse 4. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. You might think that there is a God who doesn't know your innermost thoughts. You might think today that there is a God that doesn't see your open rebellion. You might think that there is a God who doesn't hear your plot to do evil. But don't take it from me, friend. Hear from the God who created, who says to you and to me, I see and I hear. This is exactly what David is saying in Psalm 2 when he says that there is a God who sits in heaven and laughs. This text also depicts God as being one who laughs. Why is God laughing? God is laughing because he sees and he hears the rebellion of people who suppose that he does not exist and he's sitting in heaven saying, you don't understand, I do exist and I do hear and I do see and there is coming a day of judgment. These evil people thought that they, under the cover of darkness, could encamp around David's house seeking to kill the man of God. 
Ultimately, why, friends? Because their rebellion is a communication that they do not believe there is a God. And at the heart of my rebellion, and at the heart of your rebellion, is the same communication. David cries out, Lord, will you help? David acknowledges exactly what these people are doing. But notice what David does here in verses 8, 9, and 10. He confesses his complete and total confidence in God. But you, O Lord, you hear, you laugh at them, you hold the nations in derision, you are my strength. I will watch for you, for you, O God, are my fortress. My God and his steadfast love will meet me. God will let me look in triumph over my enemies. David does not have confidence in himself or in the situation, but David has complete and total confidence in God. Are you resting in God in this way, friends? Are you hoping in God in this way? When you face that doctor's visit this coming week and you're not quite sure what he's going to say, are you trusting in God? When you meet with your coworker this coming week with whom you've been sharing the gospel, and she's been pushing back. Are you praying and trusting in God's sovereign power through His Word to convert her life? Or are you more concerned in making sure you have just the right phrases and the right turn of phrases? David says, God, in you and in you alone, believers may confidently, we may confidently cry out to the Lord for help, for deliverance. But notice what David says in verses 11 through 17. Believers may hope in God who is a righteous judge. Believers may hope in a God who is a righteous judge. Kill them not. Lest my people forget. Make them totter between your power and bringing them down, O Lord, our shield. For the sin of their mouths, the words of their lips, let them be trapped in their pride. For the cursing and lies that they utter, consume them in wrath. Consume them till they are no more. That they may know that God rules over Jacob. That there is a God in Israel. And not only a God in Israel, look what the text says, a God who is to the ends of the earth. Each evening they come back howling like dogs, and prowling about the city. They wonder about for food and growl if they, if they do not get their fill. But God, I will 
sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning, for you have been a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. Oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you, for you, O oh God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. Not only is David confidently praying to God, knowing that God alone will deliver. But David is hoping in a God who is a righteous judge. You may not see it right now. I may not see it right now. In fact, the way that I might see it, I might see it in terms of There is no hope. But notice what David is doing. David is placing his hope in a God that he knows will execute divine judgment either today or in the future. And the temptation of our hearts, friends, is to think that if God is not responding now, the temptation is to think that if God is is not giving relief now, but hear the words of the hymnist, half faith in God, though all else fell about you, half faith in God, he provides for his own. He cannot fail, though all kingdoms shall perish. He rules and reigns upon his throne. There are moments when the kingdoms around us, our kingdom, seems to be crashing in and there is no hope. But friend, if you don't purpose in your heart today, if you don't hear the confidence of David and God today, if you don't purpose in your heart today, that God is one who delivers, that God is one who will execute his righteous judgment today or in the future, then when this moment in David's life comes crashing in on your life, you will not respond like King David. There are so many things in life that we can never envision. I lived with my grandparents while I was in college at Louisiana College. They lived just down the road from Pineville, Louisiana. My grandfather was a World War II veteran born in 1919 or 1920. Went through the Great Depression. I remember the day when Peepaw's, you know, $5 Dollar Tree shoes that he had had for 15 years when the soul came detached. And I was going to do a nice thing. He was in his upper 70s. I'm going to throw him away for people, all right? Son, where are you going with those shoes? People, I'm throwing them away. We're going to get you a new pair of shoes. No, don't waste your money. People, what are you going to do? He had some epoxy glue. You ever heard of it? He had some epoxy glue. He went got that epoxy glue out of his junk drawer, you know, the junk drawer that everybody has, and he ran that epoxy glue from the top to the bottom, and he slapped those soles right back on those shoes, 
And as far as I know, I left the house a few years later, he was still wearing those $5 Dollar Tree shoes. He remembered what it was like having absolutely nothing. He lived life with a long-term view. But I remember talking to him when the iPhone came out. What do you do today when you get ready to travel? Do you go to Google Maps and plug it in and print it off? Do you take your old maps and open it up and try to figure out where you're going? I don't know about you, but I get my iPhone out, I put the directions in, and we go. Son, that phone ain't never going to get us there. How does it know where we're going? My people could have never imagined a technology such as the iPhone. And likewise, friends, there are tragedies and moments of joy in your life right now that you can never imagine. But if you don't steady your heart today, if you don't steady your heart at this moment, if you don't express confidence in God at this moment, then when that unexpected tragedy comes knocking at your door, you will struggle in expressing the confidence and the hope of King David. Look what he says. Lord, don't kill him right now. By the way, this is a prayer that's somewhat different than the prayer that he prayed last week. Look back just one psalm before, Psalm 58, look in verse 9. David prayed, Lord, kill him right now. Sooner than your pots can fill the heat of the thorns, whether green or ablaze, may he sweep them away. And justice, Lord, right now, quickly, kill him. But notice what David says now, Lord, there is something about sweet justice where your enemies have to see and experience not the swift justice of God, but the execution of the long justice of God. Lord, let him sit in jail until he faces death. This is what David is asking of the Lord. Why? They're like their father, the devil. They have lying lips. But David knows this one thing. There is a God who reigns from Israel, from Jacob, throughout the entire world. And this God, David says, is one day going to execute his final judgment against all those who have rebelled against God. And look what David closes with. This understanding of God, this hope that God will deliver, 
This hope, this confidence that God will deliver, this hope that God is one who is righteous compels David to worship through song. Look at verses 16 and 17 again. But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning, for you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. O my strength, I will sing praises to you, for you, O God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. Now go back to Psalm, sorry, 1 Samuel 19.11 for just a moment in your mind. When did David's enemies decide to encamp around his house? At what time of day? Night. Darkness, right? Look at this text, verse 16. When is David going to rejoice in the Lord? But I will sing of your strength, I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. Evil may come knocking at night, but joy comes in the morning. David knew that he could rest confidently, not because of who he was, not because God had anointed him as king, not because he was a perfect sinless man, but David could rest in the night and find joy in the morning because he trusted in God who alone would execute judgment over his enemies. This is the level of hope and trust and certainty and confidence that God desires for you and me to place in him and in him alone. Do you hear the words of Jesus? Come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Are you resting in Christ today, friend? Are you resting in God's providential care for your life? See, friends, there is one that has come that is greater than King David, one who sat upon David's throne, and one who, like David, would also face the enemies of God. They encamped around him. They persecuted him. They, they went after him. They, they accused him of great sin. They accused him of being a blasphemer. They, they wanted to put him to death. And finally, at the right time, at God's appointed time, Jesus was delivered into the hands of his enemies. Yet Christ, through that entire crucifixion narrative never wavered in his confidence that there was a God who could deliver. For Jesus said, I could call 10,000 angels and they would respond at this moment. 
Jesus reminds you and me that God is one who reigns from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. For Jesus told us at the very ending of the Gospel of Matthew that our task as believers would be to, would be to take this narrative of his life and proclaim it. Where? To the ends of the earth. Why? Because his reign and his rule and his affection reaches to the ends of the earth. Jesus is God's communication to you and to me that we can with confidence trust in God to deliver us through Jesus and that we can have hope in a God who is righteous for Jesus himself will execute God's righteous judgment when he comes again. And here, the execution of that judgment from Revelation chapter 19. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for His judgments are true and just, for He has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of His servants. And once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. As David prayed for the enemies of God to experience the judgment of God over a long period of time, Revelation reminds us, friend, that God is going to carry out his judgment against those who have rebelled against him, and that judgment will last for an eternity. Hear the words of Scripture again. That judgment will go up for how long? Forever and ever. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this gospel narrative that is compassionately compelling us to have faith in God, to trust in you, Jesus. And Lord, we would pray this morning that in the lives of the people of God at Woodlawn Baptist, you would make this so. Would you take a few moments where you're seated today and respond to the preaching of God's word? Believer, are you trusting in God in this way? Are you hoping in God? Are you confidently trusting that He and He alone will deliver? As you reflect on that for a few moments where you're seated, if your answer to that is yes, how are you expressing that truth? In what way is that truth manifested in your life? If as a believer this morning, 
You're not trusting in God in this way. Anxiety grips your heart on a regular basis. Would you cry out to God this morning? Confessing that to Him is sin and asking Him to help you steady your heart upon Him. Perhaps you're here today, friend, and you've never trusted in Christ. You are in rebellion against God. You've never believed. You've never placed your faith and your trust in Christ. Would you do that today? Would you, where you're seated this morning, cry out to God and acknowledge that you are a sinner and confess Jesus as Lord? For the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In just a few moments, we're going to stand and corporately respond to the preaching of God's Word by exclaiming, that eternal truth, a mighty fortress is our God. And friend, as we sing today, if you have questions about what it means to trust in God, I'll be standing down front. It'd be a great opportunity for you to come forward. I'll be glad to share with you how you can trust in God. But friend, you don't have to come forward and talk to me. You can turn to someone seated next to you, for there are plenty of people seated around you that would delight in sharing with you how you can trust in God. Secondly, maybe you'd like for me to pray with you that the truths of this text might indeed be the truth of your life, might indeed be rightly expressed in your heart. I would delight in shepherding your heart by praying for you. Or thirdly, Maybe God has impressed it upon your heart that this is a congregation in which you need to be connected to live out your life on mission with Christ. This would be an opportunity for you to express an interest in being part of this faith family. Lord, as we respond to you now through song, may our response be pleasing to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing?